So for everyone just joining in, I guess I'll start talking and say some stuff. This is Psychom, Planet Psychom. We are a planet, we have Psychom here. We're going to talk about it on this planet in a way that communicates the science of the Psychom. This is our second episode, and uh, we together today are Jason, Sarah, and myself, Patrick. And we actually just came off of a conference there was a presentation that was done on science communication at the recent AAAS conference, and I had the enviable job of not actually answering any questions, but Jason and Sarah both answered questions. So what y'all think? I, I thought I wished it would have gone on for like another couple of hours. Honestly, um, I felt like it went really fast, and I felt like the. I mean, we had uh, 240 people, something like that, on listening, which I thought was a pretty good audience. And um, we got lots and lots of comments and discussion. And some of that stuff seemed really interesting and would have been great to follow up on. And we didn't really have time to do that. So, 240 is about double our maximum when we were at ASM. Oh, we should also say that we had um, hinted that Mike Cacciatore and um, Chelsea Parlett Pelleridi might be joining us on Planet Psycom, but we impromptu decided to do this, so we weren't able to plan that yet. But we're still going to tease that they'll be with us uh, in a coming episode. Definitely. So I, I realized one thing, and I don't know if this was my feeling. Please speak to this. But... I thought that there was a really interesting sort of organic energy that we had when we were doing our prep meeting. And then when we got to the actual conference, it was a little bit more like, okay, let's talk about the stuff we talked about. You know, I think that's sort of interesting. Did you feel that Jason or Sarah? Yeah, I think, I mean, I feel like that's, that's true. Well, it was especially true because of the, added stuff around the session it's a virtual session there's a lot of kind of things going on to get going and i yeah i didn't feel like it was as organic i thought it went really well and i thought you were held it together patrick honestly um you were a great moderator yeah um well thank you <laughs> no yeah, i was thinking yeah, about you were that a great moderator i'm blushing yeah, i had the you same feeling I had the same feeling as jason i think it was um a more organic conversation in our prep meeting. Although the chat, which unfortunately AAAS didn't save and we didn't know, so we also didn't save. Um, ironically too, I don't have access to the session anymore because I had a basic access to the conference. Um, so I actually couldn't watch our panel again before we recorded this podcast. Yeah, same. I did the same thing too. Oops. <laughs> so what you're saying is we were all basic in that regard. <laughs> I think what I think I think we can now imagine it to be anything that we that we imagine it to be. It was like, oh man, it was so great. It was so wonderful. And now it's lost. <laughs> there you go. So And one actually... thing sorry, go ahead, Patrick. No, no, go for it. I have a weird thought that sprung into my brain. Go for it, Sarah. I love to hear those weird thoughts. <laughs> but now you're drinking coffee. So <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. So uh, what, this brought me to this idea. And it was that 
in the prep meeting, there's this very organic feel to it. There was a, you know, I don't want to say synergy because that's an overused term that almost never means what it actually means. But there was a really good, like, back and forth sort of bouncing ideas and whatnot. And that, that sort of led me to a question, which was, everybody comes up with ideas differently, I think, to an extent, you know? You've got your, you know, your deep thoughts when you're falling asleep that keep you from falling asleep. You've got your shower thoughts where you're just like washing your hair. Oh my gosh, epiphany. You know, you've got the ones where you're really jamming hard on something like the dishes. You know, you're thinking really hard about the dishes and then boom, brilliant idea. Where do you all get your ideas for Psycom? For either research ideas or Jason for content ideas? Like wh where do they come from? What is your method of inspiration? So totally all three of those, actually, I, I have had, uh, ideas for funny things. So oftentimes they'll, sometimes they'll come to me as, as actual cartoons or comics. Other times they'll come to me as like a pun or, or as a funny observation that then I have to make into, uh, you know, a visual representation, but yeah, it's totally like there, I have been, I have been like in the middle of the night woken up and been like half half awake and be like oh my gosh I've got this fully formed idea that all of a sudden comes out um I've been in the shower um definitely when I'm working or working out um you know kind of repetitive uh things where my mind is a little bit free um and then the other place that I actually have a lot of uh things is in, during discussions uh, work discussions and other kinds of interactions um you know a lot of my stuff is about the process of doing science and sometimes team science and so um there are definitely times when i'm like oh that was a really it would be a really funny interaction if you replaced this with this or if this person had said this thing um and those i i i tend to try to be a little more careful about because um i've actually had people who follow me at work come to me and say was that comic about me? <laughs> and 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 Awkward. luckily, I've been always been able to answer no, no, totally not at all about you. I, here's where I came up with the idea. It was in this, you know, other thing. But I'm like worried that sometime I'm going to be like, here's this really funny interaction that happened with this very specific thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in a comic, and then somebody's gonna come back to me and say, hey, I really don't appreciate you making fun of me like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not cool, Jason. Not cool. Not cool, dude. <laughs> not cool. You could have at least changed my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I think because I'm trying to think, have I ever come up with like some good experiment or research idea in the shower? Probably not. Um but I think that is also a little different because I'm thinking about research, right? So most of my ideas come up uh, collaboratively, actually. Um, but I have been thinking, this is a great segue, about this part, and this is related to our AAAS session. I've been thinking about this um, framework for strategic science communication that some colleagues of mine, John Besley and Anthony Dudo, um, have been talking about for a long time. So they and it's because they they have a forthcoming book called Strategic Science Communication where they outline this framework, right? And I was thinking about it, uh, and then thinking about 
the context of like national labs and basic science, because I think we did have a question from somebody at a national lab. And Jason, of course, is at a national lab, right, where they do primarily basic science fundamental research. Um, but this idea of communication goals and then objectives and tactics, right? And, and the idea from my reading of part of the book, um, I got an uh, advanced copy of some chapters, but my reading from that and from the, the work that they've done to this point is that the communication goals are behavioral goals, right? We talk always about honest, candid goals, um, but I think this is a really nice concrete way to think about the actual goals, right? And separate them from this other thing, the communication objective. And so if the goal is something behavioral, let's take vaccines. The behavioral thing is probably that we want people to use the vaccines that were developed, right, and get vaccinated, uh, you know, and then that objective might be, I don't know, a lot of people would say awareness of a vaccine or education around a vaccine, right? But the objectives have to do with kind of these, um, and they, in the book, it's beliefs, feelings, and frames, um, which they have a footnote about it that says we get that the acronym for this would be BFFs, but we are not using that in this book. <laughs> but I'm going to use BFFs because BFF. I like BFFs. So yeah, BFFs, beliefs, uh frames and feelings, right? And so I think like, and then I was thinking, well, is this, oh, sorry, let me finish that thought. And the tactics are the things that we can do, the choices that we make around messaging, right? Around the communication that achieve the objectives that ultimately achieve the goals. And so, you know, in thinking about the person from the national lab communicating about discovery research, are there really goals? Right. Are there like behavioral goals to change or is it more about because behavioral goals to me sounds like something around applied science. Right. There's an application for this science. Yeah, yeah. There's a vaccine. There's a medication, you know, like how do you how do we think about a communication goal around basic science or discovery? That almost research? sounds like an interesting dichotomy there because you have basic science and then you have like the applied or translational side it sounds like the behavioral goals are actually more of an example of an applied translational situation than they are a basic situation because what's your behavioral goal for a meme that's going to make people laugh <laughs> right yeah that that's an objective i want to make them laugh right that's a feeling that i can influence by using a tactic that is comedy of some sort yeah and so like the big quest like there's a big question going around you know um because the Department of Energy and, and the Kavli Foundation have this initiative around uh, communication around basic science. Uh, and a really rec a recurring question is, is it different? Is basic science different from applied science? Like, do non-scientists understand it as different? Do we communicate it differently? Do we, right? Does it matter if non-scientists understand it as different or not? Um, and so... I've been trying to kind of grapple with this question. This is I what I do in my free time, apparently. <laughs> That's what your shower thoughts are. That's what my shower thoughts are. Goals, objectives, tactics. <laughs> That's so much deeper than my shower thoughts. My shower thoughts are like, I'm lathering. <laughs> and then something comes to me out of nowhere. So. so I think this is a really interesting question being at a national lab, um, doing a lot of basic science research, although not all of it. Some of it does have some translational aspects. Um, uh, one, I think it's 
it's a di- it's it can be a more difficult thing to communicate. And uh, we were talking about this earlier. Um, I think a great example of that is in grant proposals, uh, where you oftentimes have to take the first paragraph or the first couple of paragraphs and motivate it by that goal. I want to develop new antibiotics because antibiotic resistance is a problem. It kills X number of people in the world. It's a growing issue, blah, blah, blah. And then you get down into the meat of it. And the meat of it is like, you know, somebody else might read it and be like, this has nothing to do with antibiotic resistance. How does this even get there? Right? So the, and the, I guess the audience there for grant proposals is a is a very select set of people who do understand that, who do get that connection already. They already have the connection. You almost don't even need that first paragraph. Um, in a lot of cases, my my guess is that the um, is that the reviewers that you have that are experts in the field are basically like, okay, skip, 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 skip. Oh, here's where the interesting stuff is. They don't care about all that. They've seen it a million times. The lay public is does not understand. And I think there is considerable, like, um, if not confusion, because I don't know that a lot of times it doesn't come to light, but, you know, um, the kinds of stuff that you do see in the news, um, and I've seen this, you know, on the Senate floor, for instance, where they held up and why are we funding this? And they held up somebody's grant, right? Um, and it may not be, there may not be a direct line that, that researcher might not, may have put something in the top of that that says, you know, I'm researching this because eventually it may lead to something. But that eventuality, as we were talking about, there's not necessarily a direct line. And we don't know. A lot of the stuff that I'm doing may never result in changes that affect society. Um, but then... Then uh, I was using the, the counterexample of mRNA vaccines where they've been researched for the last, you know, 20 some years, depending on how you define it. Right. Um, and I think I totally imagine that 10 years ago or even five years ago, there were researchers who were struggling to get funding to do that kind of research. And people were like, I don't really see where this is going. It is a pretty translational area. So maybe that's um, and now all of a sudden it's like you saved the world, um, which is what everybody wants anyway, right? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, and... Sorry, go ahead, Patrick. It, it sets us up for a really interesting situation here because I'm hearing the examples that you're giving, like, let's say antibiotic resistance, right? And you've got the two areas of basic research and you've got applied, right? Where do you care about it? Where, where does the average person consuming science care, right? We have a new drug. Antibiotic resistance is scary. There's a lot of it near me at this, you know, short interval. There's an acute outbreak of, you know, drug-resistant gonorrhea or carbapenem-resistant whatever, blah, 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 right? And so these are some things that would be very interesting and useful from the translational side of things that are very good to convey to people who would consume science. But then these are sort of discrete things that make sense. Like, your antibiotics don't work anymore you're gonna get an STI and it will not be treatable. Um, There's a high incidence of this in this area. These are like discrete little pieces, right? But then you have the situation of the basic side, which is, you know, let's think of the myriad examples of pieces of research that got us to those three outcomes, right? You know, 
we've we've got a situation of like how did the antibiotic resistance come about is it lateral gene transfer was it picked up was it you know uh, examples of random mutation what is a random mutation what's a difference in gene expression levels that are going to change resistance or susceptibility what are the basic pieces of epidemiology that tells you that this is an acute thing right there's a whole lot of assumed knowledge jason that you pointed out as part of what a reviewer looks at in a grant because they are an expert at it you know so they flip past those first couple paragraphs right but this then sets up two different pieces of ways to say information to the non-science um, group of people, right? Or the people who are not, that's not their specific area of expertise. Like if you start talking to me about theoretical physics, I'm gonna glaze over in about two sentences. So, you know, I can relate to that to an extent. There's just this incredible body of assumed knowledge that I think automatically differentiates basic versus translational research. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I think about how I communicate to people that I might know, say, hey, what, are you, what do you do or what do you work on? And I almost always start out with like, I'm working on cancer. Um, there's problems with drug resistance in cancer and, uh, and we're using big data. And then I start to get more into the details of what I actually do, which may or may not ever result in translational changes in what a clinician is doing for their patients, right? It might. It's a pretty good example of something that might, but it might not. Yeah, I also think um, that this speaks to, like, Patrick's question about what do different audiences understand, right, is has to do with like process and payoff minded, which is not something I came up with, but I think is is great, right? Science Counts is this organization. They've done some research um, and there's like, and this is actually, they studied scientists and looked at like whether they were more process or payoff minded. But I think there's probably something in those terms around our audiences as well, right? That like, and that has to do with basic and applied science because yeah I think as scientists as a population perhaps we maybe are more process minded than payoff minded necessarily and maybe there's something in there around like because you know the definitions of basic and applied science are also very amorphous right I think about what's the definition of basic science well you know it's what Jason does right or or you know uh, it's not applied science. Like the definition of basic science requires that we first define applied science and then say it's not that. Um, and so I think that, you know, that's a ironic and funny, but I wonder then does the, does the communication strategies right around like basic and applied science or maybe process or payoff science, I don't know, uh, also differ and what's well, I, different. <clears throat> and, yeah. I was, I was going to say, I, I think there's also some differences in what, um, what scientists might see as their communication goals rather than what the kind of big communication goals are that, that I feel like you might be talking about with is maybe organizational communication goals, you might say, or, or field communication goals. I feel like um, there's a lot of scientists who want to communicate their research and do like through uh, published scientific papers, which, as we all know, may not be the most effective at communication in certain ways. Um, what? Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> um, sorry. Sorry to bring, you know, 
Um, Wait, you you mean my citations are not indicative of my scope of you know influence? What? I did not say that, Patrick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I implied that. But um. But really, um, their goals for science communication, and if I think about my goals for science communication, why do I want to communicate the results of my recent paper? I want to increase the impact. I want to reach an audience that might be closer. Um, and in some ways, I want to keep my job, which means that I want to get funding for the next round of things that I want to be able to do. And that's a very, like... Um, a little bit myopic, but also I think very practical kind of like a scientist's job is to keep their job, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is an incredibly cynical way of looking at it. Obviously, scientists have lots and lots of reasons why they want to do things, but sometimes those things aren't connected directly to the larger goals of like, I want to save the world by inventing a new antibiotic that's going to help it people. It That is definitely something that like when I'm doing antibiotic research or I'm like that would be lovely I would love to do that but right now today I'm really interested in solving problems and doing the scientific process that 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 I enjoy and I love it's so interesting I wonder I mean I don't no, I'm trying to think of any scientists who might say like they didn't start out as wanting to save the world. Do you know what I mean? But like, yeah, as you like progress in your career, like where does that idealism go? <laughs> right? It's, it's like as you <laughs> as you like get more and more entrenched in science, you move farther and farther, farther away and farther. From you. You're like, well, I'm never gonna save Orig the world. Yeah. <laughs> original Maybe. naive ideal, right? We're, of like we're getting yeah. cynical over here, people. Well, we totally are. <laughs> Well, I don't know that it's yeah. cynical. I think it's, well, okay, yeah, maybe it is cynical. Um, well, it can be cynical and it can be, you know, realistic. But I don't, well, I'm not I don't saying it's inaccurate. That, I don't know that, I mean, I don't know that I would look at myself and say my, my goal when I was a kid, the reason why I thought I might want to be a scientist is because I wanted to save the world. I'm not sure what my goal was. I did have that idea. I did have like, hey, I, one of the jobs that I th think would be really cool is a scientist. Um, and I, but I know that there are people, lots of people who, who are like that, who are like, I had a, this, you know, I went to a museum and somebody showed me this thing. And then I was like, wow, this is amazing. Maybe I can help people with, you know, whatever. Or I like huh. fish. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like fish too, mostly to eat. But I, I mean, I like fish generally too. No, I mean yes. that's why I wanted to do science was because I liked fish. Oh, I wanted, to be an, I wanted to be an ichthyologist. I had no idea about the world. I was just really excited that I had fish in my aquariums and they were breeding, and I was like keeping them up, and they were happy, and I wanted to study fish. I saw a really that's funny why. tweet. Uh, that said, um, when I was a kid, I thought, I really thought that there would be more marine biologists in the world. <laughs> or something I saw that too. Right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong though. But you know, also that brings me to a thought that I had a little bit earlier, but I think it gives a good spot for it, which is, you know, if you look at marine biology, there's so much to it. You know, marine biology is just an immense word for a field. And a lot of marine biology is very basic in nature, but then you have things that cross into the aquaculture realm and areas like that that are extremely applied, you know? And so 
we then have this question, let's go with marine biology as, in our, as our example, where you know, you're studying, let's say, the mating behavior of some open water fish and you're very excited about it, you know, and you're tagging your fish and you're watching them go around and they're, you know, let's say they're laying their eggs and they're getting fertilized and where do the eggs go, where do those develop? So you have a whole life cycle question here, but then you have people that are, let's say, taking this and using this data in aquaculture directly to say make a better area to excuse me to collect the output of spawning to raise the little tiny babies you know to make them bigger right so we have at one side a very basic question and then at the other side something that Sarah would buy and eat you know it's and there's a potentially lot of, maybe well yeah right but there's a lot of a lot of places along this almost continuum mm. of data where on one side we have highly basic and on the other we have highly applied you know, where does it sort of, where does the pin shift from basic to applied? This is the definitional question, right? And with a, like, even with a concrete example, I think it's hard to identify where does the needle move from suddenly basic to applied. It's probably not, I mean, almost definitely not a clear distinction, right? But so, yet somehow, when we think about how we communicate about these things, Right. Does the do the goals then shift? Because I would imagine, right, there's a different communication goal. There's some communication goal. And now when I say goal, I'm using our working definition of behavioral change. Right. For aquaculture versus, you know, on the more basic side of that example you just described, which I will never be able to repeat because I'm not that there's there are some words. I understood the word babies, baby fish, and I'm going to eat the fish. But. <laughs> At some point, that communication goal for the basic science researcher, right, um, is is maybe different, right? And maybe it's not a behavioral goal. Maybe it's simply a communication objective, like to get people excited about what I'm doing, right? right? And maybe that's sufficient. And so I think my question is, do, like, are there maybe not necessarily as many goals for the communication of basic science as maybe there are objectives versus applied, mm -hmm. right? And again, now when I say goals, I'm using the idea of behavioral, behavioral change, change as yeah. goals, not just like I want to raise awareness because ra raising awareness, right, in the uh, Besley-Dudo framework would be an objective, right? Yeah. And so maybe with basic science, there are more communication objectives because I think about astronomy as well, right? It's all about the wow factor. Um, I mentioned, I think I had a AAAS panel talking about basic science communication as well. And I mentioned, like, I woke up for the launch of, you know, the James Webb telescope. I mean, I didn't wake up sort of on time. I sort of like so do you I, rewind. So, so I was a little behind. Here's a great question for you, Sarah. For astronomy, are there behavioral goals? And what would yeah, they be? Yeah, great question, Jason. <laughs> great question. And this is, I don't know, are there behavioral goals for astronomy? Because again, if I think about basic science, that is one of the most fundamental types of research I think that one could do, but that's me without knowing very much about astronomy, right? Saying that. Um, so what's, yeah, are there goals for that? Or are there maybe just more objectives than goals, right? The excitement, the awe, the curiosity about what exists in, you know, our solar system versus is there something applied or behavioral about that? Because it's certainly not, I want more people to go to space, right? 
I mean, I pr- maybe shouldn't say that so in that tone because I think that might be pretty <laughs> cool. Maybe, maybe but that's at the a, same maybe time, that's <laughs> maybe that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, maybe Elon Musk wants that. I don't know. Maybe um, we want to send specific people to space, you know? Oh, maybe. <laughs> or, you know, maybe the goal is to have more people watch Star Trek. Well, there you go. That's a behavioral goal, right? So then what's the objective for, for getting more people to watch Star Trek? How do you, what are the beliefs, BFFs, what are the beliefs, feelings, and frames that one has to change in order to get more people to watch Star Trek? And it probably has something to do with getting rid of Star Wars. <laughs> well, besides, you know, besides a franchise fight off, this is somewhat, not anecdotal, somewhat tangential, but I wonder if there is a quantifiable way of assessing what the influence of the show Star Trek has been on the desire to know more about space and to bring people to astronomy, you know, because in that regard, that is one of like the ultimate psychoms. Yeah, that's a great question. I know that there's been people who've looked at, you know, of course, the technology, right? And and we all kind of are aware of that with the communicators being, you know, kind of actually uh, inspiring the development of cell phones and, and some other yep. things like that. Um, oh, really? And warp cores. Yeah, there's been uh, Star Trek, you know, sci- uh, fictional technology that has driven, it has inspired people to look for actual technological solutions that has actually ended in, in real developments now whether or not that you know maybe it would have happened even without star trek but in certain cases there have been people who've like i invented this and i was you know thinking of star trek when i did it <laughs> i can't yeah. remember these i mean that has something examples, to do with but... like creativity and imagination right Th- stuff that we can imagine you know like maybe science can help us make real anyway <laughs> um but yeah yeah i've been thinking about like these goals and objectives and how you know and maybe there's a, a research agenda there to bring it back to this connection between research and practice. There is like something about basic science that might help us uh, create more research practice, like translational type of science communication. I, I think it's interesting right? from what you said, too, about the, the continuum from basic to applied uh, re- science um, and research that there might be that same kind of continuum with communication around it, right? So there's definitely different objectives, at least in the we're using from basic science to applied science. Could there actually be like a continuum of goals that might arise? And we, we haven't, I think, yet clearly established that there are definite goals arising from basic science, but somewhere in that continuum the goals start (laughs) and then move oddly enough when you said that i went to a really cynical place because i was reminded of um a phd comic uh specifically from phd comics and it was what people think getting a grant is like have great idea apply for grant do research publish have new ideas and it repeats what it's actually like do all the work write a grant about what you've actually done the work on get the money to do new work <laughs> yes uh, totally yes so the feedback uh, loop is in a very different place for uh, yeah. assumed versus what people were saying in that very cynical presentation yeah, expectation then, and reality don't exactly match there. thank you um but yeah i i you know that's a great 
thought, Jason. I think this, like, the needle in terms of, like, communication, maybe on the applied side, we have more of those communication behavioral goals, right? And as we move the needle toward basic science, maybe somewhere it becomes more communication objective sort of transitions mm-hmm. into having more communication objectives instead of those behavioral goals, at least as they're defined, yeah. right? And well, I think, yeah. yeah, again, cynically, you know, the behavioral goals that I might have as a, as a, as a basic scientist might be to change the reviewer's opinions such that they give me more money. <laughs> That's a behavioral, uh, right, a clear yeah. behavioral goal. <laughs> I know it's yes. not the goal in the, in the, in the form that you're thinking about. But no, I, I do think But that's... no, but it is, though. It is, I think, because even even a grant proposal is a type of communication, right? It's a communication yeah, to a certain very small niche audience. Right. But there's still a, a goal, and that goal is behavioral. That goal is, I want you to give me the money, yeah. please. Right? And, and the objective, right, is to, like, convince them to, to give you that money in some ways, right? This is, yeah, this is a really interesting area, too, because um, uh, you'll... Many people think that uh, writing a grant is all about um, presentation of your your ideas and the the fact that you have this great idea and these great methods and you're going to do this great stuff. But if you don't communicate it well, you won't get excitement. And so excitement is a behavioral... BFF! Yes. BFF! So, so this is really interesting because because I have seen it and I've had it, I've had it told to me many times is like, if the reviewers are not excited about your grant, you'll get negative reviews that are just kind of like, we, I advise this to younger people when they're interpreting uh, junior staff, when they're interpreting their, their feedback on their, their grant reviews, they're like, well, what does this mean? And sometimes the answer is they, they picked on that because they're really not very excited about the, you didn't present it in a way that was exciting to them. They did not get why they should be funding it. And so they had to say something. And what they said was they picked on this, you know, these parts. Yeah. And I think so that, one, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just going to say, so that's an interesting thing to think about as goals that, that are goals in the definition that we talked about, just more narrow goals, right? We're very niche audience. We want to change the behavior of this niche yeah. audience. In basic science, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and and so I think maybe this is a good time. I had, um, in, in our, like, show notes, I'm thinking about, or our show notes to ourselves, like, who is our audience, right? And what are our communication goals and objectives and tactics as kind of a meta science communication podcast? You know, we we talked about, we put it up on YouTube and you know, in the first day we had like 22 views and we were all excited. And I said, well, two of those are my parents, you know, so there's, <laughs> there's at least two that uh, not don't count, but are sort of, you know, obliged audience. Um, but yeah, since we moved it, I don't, I actually haven't been able to look at the analytics on, on RSS since we moved it, but um, I'll do that eventually. But who's our audience, right? And what are our kind of goals, objectives, tactics in this strategic science communication framework well i think that based on what we've been talking about for this i don't want to say that it has to happen in every type of psychom but it seems like if you're gonna get if you're gonna get the people going there has to be excitement 
Like excitement yeah. seems an almost required component for any flavor of Psycom. I mean, otherwise, how are you going to get the engagement? Okay, I have a goal. Um, one of my goals, um, and this isn't necessarily uh, related to my cartoon and comic, although it could be, um, is that I believe more scientists and basic scientists should be more accepting and more cognizant of the impact their science communication has. Um, and okay, wait. Is that a goal or objective? Because again, yes. objective, that's right? an objective. Beliefs, feelings, frames. That, that's an objective. The goal would be something behavioral, some behavioral change around that, which they would maybe take action. But I haven't thought about what that action is. No, that's a good point. And I think, I think this this kind of grappling with that action that you're having right now is very common mm -hmm. for a lot of us, right, who are in science communication and thinking about, because it's really, I think, quite automatic to say, raise awareness right. or get excited, right? But, but again, and this is where I hear like John and Anthony's little voices in my head, they're like sitting on my shoulders. Is that a goal or is that an objective, <laughs> right? And I think, well, okay, okay. I if we define the goals right as behavioral, Yes, thank you. They're on my shoulders. Yes. Um, they're very little compared. Well, you know, I can't. I can't carry. I'm is, little. Is so. one a devil and one an angel, though? I mean, I want to see no, that full. No, I want to see this fully no. realized. Now, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I have very nuanced uh, little imaginary friends That's on my good. shoulders. That's, you know, they're not really it's probably all, better. The the devil yeah. and angel thing is pretty um, pretty black and white there, right? Um, yeah, yeah. We don't, yeah. We, don't need, we don't need a true dichotomy here. Yeah, I've been trying to, to trend away from that. I feel like a lot of society, we have a lot of conversations that are very dichotomous. It's like built yes, into the fabric of our society and democracy. And I'm just like, maybe we can talk about this and this and not just this or this. And so, you know, my um, mini John and mini Anthony are, are very, uh, they are, you know, uh, multi, they have many, many forms. They're not one or the other. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think we're getting to who our audience is actually in those yeah. conversations. Um, and I think our audience is scientists, people involved in science in some way and, and science communicators probably do we, I mean, we do, we sort of envision this as a meta science communication podcast. So I feel like people who do science communication, people who maybe study science communication and want to listen to some ramblings yeah. while they're, you know, making a meal. And I, and I think one of those things is, um, you know, a bit in the, the dichotomy, sorry, that we have between the, um, the uh, practitioner and the researcher, right? In this case, we have been talking about basic science where I'm very much a practitioner. Uh, Yes, I'm a very much a researcher. <laughs> okay, that, that sorry, that dichotomy just fell apart when I when I tried to transition it. So, but but that division is kind of in that 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 complementation is kind of the I think an interesting part where we have talked about our uniqueness, um, and I think that speaks to that um, that audience that you're talking about, which is partly the 
the scientific researchers and partly scientific communicators. And then there's probably some people who are fall in the middle of that, right? Who are, yeah. who are also trying to yeah. reach. Yeah. And I think we also, yeah, there's, there's a value in nuance and specificity, right? In that, like, you are a researcher, Jason, you're just not, you're not a science communication researcher, right? But you're also a science comm practitioner. And I guess now that we're creating content, I've suddenly turned from also researcher exactly. to practitioner, ironically, without first considering communications, like the goals, objectives and tactics, because we're doing this in episode two, right? <laughs> Although maybe we tacitly did kind of think about uh, that before we started this whole thing. I'd, I'd go as far as to say that the entire first season of this is going to be coming up with goals and objectives and and actually laying <laughs> the framework for the reality of the situation. So yeah. in season two, we're going to do an analysis of season one. <laughs> Which, season of course, two. we don't know when season... There's no real demarcation of season one and two. We're just going to make it up as we go. This and by is, the time we decide on those goals, objectives, and This is like some of these reality shows. These, some of these reality shows that it's like, we're on season 45. And you're like, that's impossible. Like, right? There's no way you could have 45 years of this reality show. And they're like, no, we have three seasons every year. But can you really do that? <laughs> well, see, now yeah. we're discussing the dichotomy between season one and season, season two, two, but we're discussing the continuum upon That's which true. it will exist <laughs> until determined. And it's going to be like reality TV where people hate watch it, right? People are going to hate listening to the podcast. Like, what are these people talking about again? Like, what did Jason say this week? Oh, my God, that's terrible. i got to watch next week and see what he says next week. I'm here for it. <laughs> Yeah. But honestly, I think that these are the kind of discussions that could bring about other discussions outside of here. Like if somebody's listening and they hear us, you know, grappling with this idea of what's an objective, what's a goal, what do we want, what are we trying to get out of the communication, then hopefully that will be one of the things that comes out of this is that other people also start thinking along those lines, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think that that was generally our goal, right? That like the conversations that we have around research and practice uh, as a continuum, not a dichotomy anymore, uh, you know, should maybe also be heard by others so that others can join in. Um, yeah. I don't know. Any last thoughts? I think we can wrap for this week and resume next week. Next week? No, 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 not next week, because clearly we're not on a weekly schedule here. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, next time. Yeah, next I'm going to be, if, until next time, I'm going to be going around trying to figure out what the characters on my shoulders are, are, are and how to envision them. What are they telling nice. me? Nice. Yeah. 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 I have a lot of them. John and Anthony are, are recent additions, but mm. you know, pre I feel like a lot of previous mentors are sitting and oh, like, Oh yeah. Sometimes definitely. angrily yelling things in my ear. Yeah. So those are the like, dementors. You know. <laughs> the dementors. Oh, zing. <laughs> oh, is there going to be a comic about this? <laughs> that I think I dementors is pretty good. I might have to, that might <laughs> be a comic. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you could blame Harry Potter. Yeah. Mentors and dementors. 
mentors mm-hmm. and dementors. Yeah, I mean, because I learned a lot from you know people I don't want to be like as well, right? Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest that we do a very industry thing. We're gonna put a pin in this and come back to it because I think we can do an entire episode on mentors and dementors in regards to communication and science, and I think we should. Yes, let's do that. It's well, in our thank you all house. for listening. <laughs> It is definitely in our wheelhouse, and we'll be back. All right. Thank you. Thank you.